from CSG Studios high above the streets of beautiful Denver, Colorado. You're listening to the Colorado Sports Guys. They talk about sports and stuff. And now your hosts, Jeff Morton, Ross Martin, and Nate Timmons. What's up, everybody out there entangled in the interwebs? Ross, Hipsters, Glasses, Martin is in Phoenix to cover the Nuggets Suns game, although it's here. So hurry back soon, Ross. Making his way all the way down here from Thornton, the king himself, Jeff Morton. What's up, everybody? Um, nice to be here again. And, Nate, we have a special guest with us again. We do. We're down here at Pepsi Center, joined by Nuggets General Manager Tim Connolly. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. This is, I think this marks the uh, fifth or sixth time we've done this. I've, I've never met Ross. <laughs> <laughs> still, still is no Ross like, Ross. what was the Magnum Can... P.I., the, the Higgins that you never saw? What was the character Magnum P.I. that you never saw? Yeah, or it was uh, like Bob Sacamano. <laughs> yeah, or, or it's like the shirt you're wearing. that no Rousdower. One, Rousdower. Zap Rousdower. Anyone, <laughs> anyone who's listening to this who knows about Mystery Science Theater, uh, like send me a message on Twitter or on the Your inbox is blowing page. up right now. Yeah, and then there's going to be like one guy's like, <laughs> yeah. oh yeah, that was I remember that final sacrifice. Did you find yeah. that shirt on the internet or a store? Would a store carry that kind of l- thing? It was laying in the street somewhere. No, uh, <laughs> his little craft project from he made it in his garage. I, I actually yes, I stitched this myself. <laughs> yeah, he always keeps his clothing secretive. He doesn't want anybody to know where. I it think shops. it's impressive. It's a tank top. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Very nice. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I like to bare my shoulders as much as possible. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, we're down here at Pepsi Center. The Nuggets have the Phoenix Suns this evening. A fun stretch of games coming up. The old uh, fun home and away series against the Suns. Yes. Kind of yes, a home and away. A mini playoff preview, perhaps, for the Nuggets who may be the eighth seed this season. Yeah. I mean, hopefully, um, you know, obviously, if we could play well, we kind of can get in the playoffs. But you know, our goal is not the AC by any stretch. I think if we just win games and continue to improve it'll be a great season but um we've been asked about that a bunch we're not um you know running to the a seed there's 40 games left or whatever there may be left um if we play sound basketball i think um the season will conclude with a playoff appearance and i don't know where that could be six seven eight um uh, but um, it's exciting to talk about those possibilities you know jeff and i had talked earlier in the week uh just discussing Kind of the, how the Nuggets have, have have gone this season. You know, we kind of have this December fifteenth date of when and when Jokic comes back into the starting lineup, uh, Nurkic comes out. But you know, it's almost like a tale of two teams. But you know, I, I believe, and I, I think a lot of fans think that you know Michael Malone had to experiment with this. We call it the Jokic lineup of of having two guys in there. And do you feel it's kind of been a tale of two teams, Tim, where it's you guys have. Maybe you're finding your identity now with with Nikola Jokic and what's going on. I don't think maybe not that dramatic. Um, I think when you have a young team, experimentation is necessary, and you don't know what you're going to get when you're relying on so many young players from uh, Nikola to to uh, you know Gary to Emmanuel to uh, Yusuf. Um, you know we've had games this year where Jamal and Wancho have been key contributors. So I I think it's kind of uh, a byproduct of, of so much youth, and uh, again, it's uh, Mo and his staff do a great job of of trying to put these guys in situations to succeed and, and tinkering and tinkering and tinkering. And I think since um, we've went to that change starting lineup, um, and even that starting lineup has had some different faces. But right. Nicola's <laughs> Nicola's become more comfortable, and he's taken on a bigger load. And with that load, has, be, has uh, come a ton of productivity. And um, I think our offense has really been impressive. So I think. Um, the coaches deserve all the credit um, for allowing the experimentation to happen and kind of uh, messing around until until you find the right components that work well together. I know fans are often curious about you know, how does the front office and the coaching staff work when kind of major change like that happens where you're changing your, your starting lineups and your bench. I mean, what, what kind of role do you guys play with the coaching staff in there? Uh, we, we're in constant communication. I've known um, most of these guys on the staff for over 10, 15 years. Uh, I've, I've known Mo for a long time, so I, I think for my seat it's important that I, I speak loudly and, and give strong opinions, but uh, I don't believe in um, mandating. I don't believe in micromanaging. I think uh, coaches' jobs are so difficult where uh, they're not just uh, judged game to game. They're judgment of my minute right now with social media and, and the, the influx of um, you know so many critics with a voice now. So <laughs> I, I don't believe in saying, do this, do that. I think um, what's great about our situation is we all have a forum. Um, you know, we can be uh, combative and we can debate, and then the door opens. Whatever decisions made by Mo is the one I'm fully supportive of, and I think he's doing a great job. 
Is it hard through the stresses of the season to like go through what you guys went through basically effectively the first month and a couple weeks of the season to like have that all that stuff happening and a lot of close losses, a lot of close losses at the end. And I'm sure there's a lot of second guessing that goes on with the coaching staff as well as you guys in the front office about what we can do differently, what they can do differently. And it was, it was there a lot of discussion going on around that time. Yeah, it's not just unique to that time. I think it's it's extremely important those discussions happen, good or bad. Yeah. Too often the case in our, our profession, or any profession, quite frankly, is you, you kind of spend more time analyzing the, the defeats. Uh, you want to reconstruct the crime. Um, I th- we want to talk about the good and the bad. Uh, you know, why are we successful? Um, and then be um, brutally honest with ourselves when we're not successful. Why aren't we and constantly analyzing the processes behind our decision-making? But um, I don't think you ever want to fall in a trap where you're reactionary to negative results. And I think uh, we, we've done a great job collectively um, from, from Josh to, to Mo to myself where let's, co- let's talk so much where we're not just talking when we're in a panic situation. Well, we've, we've known you and done podcasts with you for four years now. And – Part of that process is like experiencing how you grow yourself as a general manager and as a front office. And do you think that you, Tim Connolly of 2017, is doing things any different than Tim Connolly of 2013 did? Well, I certainly hope I'm better. I mean, yeah. the, the goal is to improve every day. I think I'm more comfortable in this seat. Um, I think um, I'd like to think um, that the patience that Josh has allowed us has kind of been ingrained at every level of this building. But I think when you look at successful NBA teams, there's um, a million different ways to do it. I think one of the few commonalities between sustainable teams, sustainable successful teams, excuse me, is the ability to be patient and take the long view and not be reactionary. So I think if there's an area of growth, I think um, I'd like to think we've collectively all seen that, but um, it, you know, it's it's a really fun job. It's so much of it, the, the vast majority of it's luck. But I think what we try to control is is put ourselves in positions to be lucky. It's a cliche, but we want to make. Um, I've said this twenty times to you guys. Inform mistakes. We want to when we make a decision, whether it's a uh, draft pick, a trade. Uh, an internal hire. We want to know whatever, everything we can know about that person. I think we we achieve that goal, but doesn't mean our decisions are always right by any means. Kind of sticking with on the trade front, we always used to talk. There was a lot of talk. I remember Eric Dampier's contract was a huge thing. That Eric Dampier's expiring contract. What is it like, either trying to trade or looking at guys that may you maybe could inquire that only have you know that are, that are going to be free agents at the end of the season what, what's the thought process with those kind of players yeah we're not uh risk averse with guys that are expiring we feel like we have a pretty strong track record despite our, our general lack of team success mm-hmm. let's be honest uh, of getting guys here and them enjoying the city uh the organization um you know, random media members even (laughs) (laughs) select. So I, 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 we're not scared of that. I think part of our jobs is to create environments conducive to guys enjoying themselves both on and off the court. Um, I think we have, um, done a very good job of creating that environment, um, led by Josh, led by Mo. Um, and, and look right now the city's fantastic. So I think, um, the city's always been great, but it's, it's growing at, at such a, uh, rapid pace, and there's so many cool things happening right now. A lot of guys are getting here that thought they knew Denver and didn't know Denver and, and love it. So it's not something that will, will prevent us from making a move if we think it's the right right piece to add. How about on the flip side of that, when you're maybe you have a guy that a team calls about, or do you feel you can get fair value for a guy that's you know that you may have that's on an expiring contract? That do other teams will they give you the the right kind of value that you would need? Sure. I mean, when, you, uh, when you're on the other side of the phone call and guys call you with a year left to say, listen, they try to downplay the value. Say, essentially, it's a rental. We can't give, you, can't, can't give up with so much. And uh, we do a lot of uh, past deal analysis, not just our own, but other teams. So we know what the quote-unquote asking price is for expiring at this level of uh, contribution. So it's, um, it's a deal point. It's a valid deal point. But, you know, the deals happen when you have a very motivated other party. Um, and they don't always materialize, and your pieces don't always uh, mesh or match up, excuse me. But I think uh, motivation is, is the biggest factor of, of any deal, w- whether it's in professional sports or, or you know, industry. It's, I think 
the the other chair's motiv- uh, motivating factors will determine what you get quite often. Well, I wrote a couple of weeks ago that um, people a lot. I think a lot of fans take for granted that uh, deals in the NBA you you, have, you, you can't. It's not only your motivation, it's the, the, the team's motivation <laughs> sure. of what they want. And sometimes those two things don't meet, you know, because we have to unload a player or they think they have to unload a player. doesn't mean that they, the needs are meeting in the middle. And it's, it's a lot harder than just plugging in something into the ESPN trade machine that, that people do nowadays. Yeah, no, we, we, um, we've, we're very active um, throwing trade ideas out, and we, we're pretty um, – uh, Pretty, um, what's the word? We vet those trade ideas prior yeah. to ever calling. We don't want to be a team that calls and gets laughed off the phone or loses um, a sense of respect from the opposite team because we threw out a yeah. trade idea that was just laughable. Um, so <laughs> we talk about prior to any of us getting on the phone with a different team is would they do it? How would it make them better? How would it, how would it make them worse? Financially, does it make sense for them? If we were in that chair, we got this call, we'd be, we would be insulted. So I think because um, occasionally you get the calls and you are insulted, and it's it's not a, a good way to kind of leave a positive taste in your mouth with dealing with that team in the future. So um, you're right. It's, it's not always what you want. It's what two teams want. But what we try to do is try to save the headaches from, from both sides and, uh, when, prior to pitching an idea, we think, hey, you know what, this might make sense for those guys. You know, they, they, they need they have a need at this position, or they have a need for this skill set, and financially it doesn't ha- um, hamstring them. But uh, even then, you're, you're talking about one of a hundred trades. Really, I'm sorry, one of a hundred phone calls leads to actionable conversations, and from those conversations, very few trades happen. Um, so it's it's challenging, it's enjoyable, but I think the more stuff you throw out there, uh, the more you're involved, and potentially you, you know you explore every. You know, possible scenario that can help your team. Is it hard when the cap has gone up so much the last two years that, that has that kind of like just in general terms has that kind of thrown everything off as far as like being able to do something actionable? Uh, because you know, if if something goes up twenty million dollars, maybe that person's need for a certain contract wouldn't be as much as it was before. Yeah, that's a great point. I think it's it's changed. Look, the the money in the NBA has changed, but the money when you walk out of the Pepsi Center has not changed. Yeah. So you, we have to kind of recalibrate how we view these guys. We viewed a guy as a $5 million contributor, and now he's a $11 million guy. It, it's there, There's the internal human element beyond you know what it is. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's not apples to apples anymore in terms of money. So we have to kind of change our viewpoint, and we have to re-educate ourselves and re-educate ownership to, hey, this price point now – at this productivity level, it's probably a good contract, and that's weird. And then because it's unprecedented, because um, there's some really smart guys in this league who, who do obsessive planning, and they do a fantastic job with it, but all the planning's out the window with the new CBA to some degree. Yeah. So I think um, it has been challenging, and it's there's not a, a, a real um, parallel that we can re- reference back to. So, yeah, I think it has been challenging. Um and I think um, what you have to do is figure, the players are still the same players just getting paid with more zeros. Yeah. And I, I don't think the the cap is bigger than ever. It's still a cap. It's still you don't want to pay the, your best players a higher percentage of the cap. Um, I think the new CBA is going to make it even more uh, more favorable for teams to keep their best players. So I think that bodes well for we have a bunch of homegrown talents yeah. that we're, we'll keep it for a long time. But yeah, it's been hard. It's look the <laughs> first day of free agency and. 2015, there was a couple contracts that we were, you know, we do our forecasting. We were off by, you know, 25%. And it was a new day that wow. day. And then th- wow. this summer, I think we were probably expecting it this summer. But to see the numbers come out, it's, you know, it's jaw-dropping. It's, it's kind of, yeah. uh, just kind of jaw, yeah. Uh, I mean, I saw, we're seeing some of the contracts, like, uh, and you just think, there's there's a little there's a there's more zeros on this than I was expecting, but you it's like hard to calibrate because the cap and all that stuff, and you know, and a lot of people don't understand the 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 cap machinations of the NBA, and they think, well, this guy's being overpaid. Well, no, it's just the nature of where the cap is and stuff like that. No, for sure. I mean, it's it's um, educating, you know, all of us from front office to coaches to, to you know to fans where you say, there's no way that guy's a twelve million dollar player. He wasn't two years ago, um, but but now, unfortunately, not unfortunately. Fortunately, look, it's it's a positive sign of where our league is. It's all related to, to um, you know, BRI, and th- this money is is a great um, a great indicator that our league is healthier than it's ever been. I don't know if you're allowed to comment on this, but one of the funnier things in the NBA recently was this Mo Williams deal, where he's getting 
the Nuggets trade for him, wave him. The Sixers pick him up. They wave him. You guys pick him back up, wave him again. Like, that's just kind of a funny thing with the cap. I don't know if you had a comment. Yeah, that, was a, yeah, that was all by design. It was well planned, well executed <laughs> by the, the front office. <laughs> no, it's, it's, one, it's one of those goofy things. You know, you, you try to be creative with some of the um, – with some of the salary cap rules, um, the rules are changing. I don't think you'll see that next year, um, but it was definitely um, kind of a, a unique situation. Yeah, very unique situation. Very it was fun. I, I thought it was payback for Samson last year. Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, another one. I know it's so funny just seeing so many fans will create fake trades and tweet them out, and we just run across them. And I've seen people throw Malik Beasley in fake trades, and I'm looking at it going. Now, hang on. I don't even know if we know who Malik Beasley is yet. You know What, what have you seen out of Malik Beasley? I think he's one of the best, probably, sideline guys in the NBA. I mean, he's one of the most animated guys. What kind of player is he? Uh, you know, we took Malik. Um, we had him higher on the board. We, we knew it was a long-term play. He had an unfortunate injury um, after leaving FSU as a freshman. Where was he kind of before the injury? Where do you think he could have gone in that draft? You know, we're, we're guessing every board's different, but we, we had him in the lottery for most of the year uh, relative to productivity and age. Um, everyone's looking for shot makers, ability to defend on the other end, which he has. And he's, you know, he's young. He's got to pick up a lot of things, but he's got a, um innate ability to get into the ball when he wants to. Um, above the rim finisher, um, big-time shooter. Um, work ethic is off the charts. Fantastic family. Uh we're pretty tight with the Florida State coaching staff. I actually um, worked with those guys eons ago. Um, you won't find a bad word about him. Great personality. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Has embraced everything we've thrown at him. Was going to Sioux Falls, to D-League. Um, whether, like you said, just being that guy on the bench that's always up and, and active and supportive of your teammates. So um, we have no idea what he is, like to your point. Yeah. But we know that he's 6'5". He's really athletic. Works his tail off, can make shots and plays hard. So we we like those role tools, and we'll work with with what he has. And I think he's going to be a really good player. That's the part of your job that I would be just absolutely terrible at. Is I never want to give up on guys. So I'd be like, <laughs> we're not trading him. Nate, could Nate, be good. Nate wants to keep <laughs> keep he keep his draft Everybody. picks, draft picks forever. Yeah. <laughs> that part's hard. I mean, when we traded uh, uh, Timo, we we were in the office, and he and I went to get wings and watch the Cavs. I mean, it's it's it stinks when you trade a good guy. It really stinks when you know you're trading a good player. We've done that a couple of times where yeah. we were firmly aware we're trading a good player. Um, you know, we, Evan, we knew Evan was good. He was right. We knew he was a great guy, and um, you know it, that's not fun. It's not enjoyable um, when you know you're letting a, a good player and a good guy leave the building. Um, but unfortunately, at, at times you have to make those decisions. Sometimes they work out. Sometimes they don't. But that's one of the least favorite parts of my jobs as well. Quite frankly, I know. Uh, when I, whenever me and Jeff get to talking about drafts, and Jeff always throws out there the night that you guys drafted Nikola Jokic in the second round, and we get done with this press conference, and Jeff always throws out, remember at the end of that when Tim was like, nobody wants to ask me about Jokic? And he's like, he's like Tim knew something about this kid. That, was the, that, I, that has been burned into my memory <laughs> because that was, that was something that I just couldn't escape was you, you pointedly looking at us and saying, no one's going to ask about Nikola Jokic. And, and it was like, well, obviously, and it, people extrapolate that, and, and me as a media member would extrapolate that thing. And like that, Conley, he knew. Yeah, he, he, <laughs> he knew this guy was going to be in verified stat area. I, 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 I could have told you a couple years ago he was going to average this in uh, January. That's easy. <laughs> yeah, so no, but but when you look at that thing, like you know, you have a second round pick, and you think I mean, this guy has a possibility of being pretty good, but you never. Is, is that something that you just can't allow yourself to like kind of go there and say this guy's going to be this? No, I, I never know, and, and luckily we have such a great staff. But I think um, I, you know, I, I'll usually err on the side of being overly optimistic. So I think all these guys will be really good, and then slowly but surely you got to uh, figure out who's going to make it, who's not going to make it. The thing with Nicola that stood out with is quite his passing and his feel around the rim. Um, it wasn't athleticism. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a, a real sexy body. <laughs> um, had great uniforms. Uh, the pink, we, yeah. We, we've made a conscious effort in, in the second round to try to identify a handful of skill sets um, that potentially could make it. Now, positional size, IQ, you know, shot making, just something that guy can hang a hat on and know that the chances are they won't make it. But, hey, because he has this, he might make it. With Joffrey, we saw you know rebounding and athleticism. Uh, with Nicola, 
we saw the unbelievably high basketball IQ and kind of a an atypical upbringing. Um, so it's, it's clear we didn't know. We knew we'd have, we'd have taken him way earlier. We'd taken him with the 11th pick and never traded down. Um, but I think we were looking for certain uh, certain skill sets and or characteristics that say, hey, he's got a puncher's chance to make the NBA. Well, it, speaking of that, on you know, we'll come back. We'll circle back around to uh, Jokic. But I wanted to ask you about your second round pick in 2015, uh, Nikola Radicevic. Yep. Uh, it seems like he's healthier now and uh, performing at. I mean, I have only seen a little bit of his. No, stats he's played very out. well recently. He's, yeah. You know, he had a he had a hip uh, yeah. surgery, not too different than what Wilson had. Um, you know, we were hoping to get our hands on him more here with the European teams. There's always a lot of red tape. Yeah. Um, so I think his return to health was a, a bit longer than we at all hoped for or envisioned. Um, I think he's just about fully healthy. He's playing with the same um, kind of breakneck mentality that we played that attracted us originally. Um, good positional size, plays plays downhill basketball. Um, I think he has a chance to be a very good defender. Um, shot making is something he's got to continue to improve upon. Um, talk to Nicole all the time. Um, one of our guys was with him recently. Um, I, I think you know we view him as a as a nugget. Um, we think once you draft these guys, um, and going back to you know with Joffrey or or Nicole, even Eric Green, um, once you draft them, I think it's it's extremely important that, that they have to feel like they're part of the team. Yeah. Uh, who knows what their role will be here? Um, who knows if you ever get here? And there's a lot of different variables that come into play when a guy makes transition from, from Europe to the NBA, but. Uh, we view all our assets. Cornelay, uh, I talked to Peter the other day. You know, he's had some really nice games recently. Yeah. Uh, I thought P- Peter was great in summer league. We're pretty excited about him long term. I'm so happy um, that Nicole is healthy. The guy's obsessed with basketball. So that year out really gnawed in him. And he's had some very, uh, very big games recently in the ACB. So it's that part's really fun to watch these guys kind of mature outside of this building. Um, and, and look, the second round is a – Complete crapshoot. The numbers tell you that most guys won't make it. So um, it, it's fun to kind of t- uh, take a chance on some of these guys, but it's also really fun to get to know some really good kids and kids who care about basketball, and it's um, it, it makes the job more enjoyable. Does Radicevic uh, – you may not be able to answer this. Does Radicevic have a, still have a contract going out in Europe, or is he, is he up at the end of the season? Yeah, you know, it's – I'm going to specific contracts, but in Europe, there's always a way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so there's always a way. Find yeah. a way. Yeah. We'll just leave it at that. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember? Yeah, because Joffrey came over like mid-season. When I was in Oklahoma City, it was his That's first right. Game. He did, That's didn't crazy. he? Yeah, we got Joffrey in mid-season. Um, we actually um, had talked to Nicola in mid-season to kind of get all the ducks in a row to ensure yeah. that he had a home prior to signing the big European contract. So um, <laughs> we're lucky. These guys have some really smart – Agents and you know they've they feel good about Denver. Yeah. Uh, I think in Europe in particular, um, you know we have a good name right now. We're a team that a lot of teams draft and stash. We, we like to say we draft and develop. Mm-hmm. Uh, we draft you with the intention of bringing you here, not just having you sit there forever and um, never see it, the inside of NBA arena. So um, it, it's helped us, and I think um, having a guy like our tourists carries so much weight. Raffle does a great job, but. I, our staff is not too pigeonholed, so we have international guys, but we're all over there quite often. Um, you know, Jared Jeffries was just there. Jim Klibanoff was there recently. Uh, but it, it helps when you start to engage these guys in conversations about their contracts that you can point to, hey, Eric Green was on our team. Joffrey Laverne was on our team. Nicole Jokic was on our team. So, uh, again, I think our goal is maybe a, a little different than other teams, that we, we draft these guys with the hope and the intention that they'll, they'll wear a jersey at some point. How fun has it kind of been seeing Jared Jeffries grow as, I mean, you obviously knew him as a player, and he comes in here to the front office, and have you, have you seen a lot of change out of him from his playing days to now? No, not really. Same guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no. I'm sure. he, he, no he, Very same. Jared, Jared's one of the um, hardest working guys in the NBA. I don't think there's a more connected guy at every level from um, current players to front office to coaches. He's also about the most interesting guy in the world. He's got a fishing show on the Outdoor Network. Yeah, Modern Fishing with Jared Jeffries. That's that's a free plug. Um, extremely intelligent, well versed, um, and can relate to to so many different experiences. You know, top ten high school player, lost a national championship against Maryland, Indiana. I mean, just a legend in Bloomington. Um, had had an up and down NBA career. Had the, the ACL injury. Um, 
for a couple of years, I thought there was probably the most versatile defender in the NBA. Uh, we joke with Jared right now. I said, 6'11", five-position defender, you'd be making a lot of money right now. <laughs> yeah, um, he missed that window. So his, it's invaluable to have a guy like that in the staff. And he's just a really nice person who's fun to be around, has a, a zest for the job and a zest for life. So it's been really good to have him, and we're fortunate to watch his development. You kind of got a similar thing with uh, Chuck Hayes, right? Uh, yeah, we had a lot of success in New Orleans. We did something similar with Calvin Booth. Yeah. Um, and Calvin's you know, quickly – uh, round up the ladder. He's, he's got a great job in Minnesota right now. I got here. It was uh, it was a real focus of mine. I think um, the connectivity to the current game is invaluable. Mm-hmm. Um, for for all of my knowledge, I don't know what it's like. If you're Jared Jeffries on the side out of bounds against the Boston Celtics in the playoffs, and you have a six eleven guy in front of you, it's, I don't know what it's like. I don't know what it's like when you go from starter to the end of the bench. Um, I don't know what it's like when you have family pulling at you from every angle. Yeah. So with Jared, with Chuck, and our tourist in, in a different light, as being such a great European player, and, you know, turned down the NBA a couple of times, um, th- those guys make me so much better. And I think um, you know, Chuck just stopped playing last year. So instead of me calling the assistant coach about a guy, Chuck, call your teammate. Yeah. Same with Jared. Um, and I, Players know players, and I think we're able to get information from every level, from front office to coach to active player. And collectively, we have such a such a huge amount of information. Hopefully, we can make the right decisions. You know, we we know what's happening on and off the court. No, another topic that gets talked about a lot. The Nuggets played the Clippers the other night. Fantastic crowd, buildings packed. Uh, and then the other night they have a home game here. Crowd's dead. There's nobody in the arena. I've told Jeff, I'm like, man, at some point, I I worry that when these players' contracts come up, they're going to be like, should I continue playing in Denver where there's you know, we don't get fans every night, or man, should I go play with Golden State where this building's packed every night? Do you guys worry about that? And is there stuff that you know the Nuggets are doing to try to get more butts in seats? Yeah, no, it's a constant concern. I mean, not just as a GM, but as a fan, it's um, it's really fun when this building's packed. I think we have great fans. Yeah, um, when we're able to get them out. Um, that Clippers game was fantastic. We, you know, let's go Nuggets chant. That was towards uh, the end of the game. It was uh, I was sitting up and we were sitting down in a, uh, with the press, and I was watching the the players react to it. And yeah, I think Will Barton like, and Kenneth Free were kind of imploring the fans. It was yeah. it was great. It was great. I mean, look, I'm a I'm a fan. I'm a huge Orioles fan. I I know what it's like when you have thirty eight thousand Orioles Stadium. I know what it's like when you have twelve thousand. It's yeah. it's it's impactful. Um, but I think it's on our the biggest thing we can do to get guys fans back, excuse me, is to win games. And that's that's on uh, the front office more than anybody else. I think we're doing some really cool things, um, that trying to re-engage a, a dormant fan base with marketing. Um, I know Josh is uh, Josh is constantly racking his brain. How, how can we become a cooler team, a quirkier team? And Denver's a really cool city right now. Um, I think the influx of, of so many new faces, um, it creates a challenge because it's uh, – somewhat transient in nature yeah. um not a lot of homegrown fans with with all the new faces but it's also an opportunity and i think how, how do we harness that opportunity um hey some nights it's packed and it's a third for the opposing team that's not exciting but that's it adds a, a little bit of, of intrigue to the game and i get it you know if, um but i think we win more games we'll get more fans and i i, I firmly believe that there's a couple of guys in this team that if you kind of want to jump back on the bandwagon now or you're just new to the, being a Nuggets fan, it's, it's hard not to root for Nikola Jokic. We went to London, yeah. and we, uh, we spent a day at Arsenal. Their training facility met a bunch of their players. Their coaches it was great. And the next day, a bunch of those guys came. And they were, I mean, they were transfixed with Jokic's passing. He's essentially a soccer player on a basketball court. Yeah. Yeah. So it was these guys are not – Typical NBA fans, and I've I've gotten emails from guys in London since then. Ah, I just saw you guys had another great win, and wow, Jokic had seven assists, and man, it was it was great to see. Emmanuel had twelve assists. Um, you know they've become fans because of these young players, and I think it's it, it's a good time to kind of get back on, or you know, be a first timer. You know, I was listening to uh, Adam Mares's podcast. He had Coach Nick on that runs Basketball Breakdown, and he was describing what that Jokic pass where he just kind of lobs it up. You know, when the <laughs> players cut into the rim, he lobs it up over the defender. It's like a soccer pass. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. it's soccer. I, I've, a guy texts me, it was water polo, the water polo. stuff. Yeah. Um, I look, he sees the game a step ahead. The best players in any sport tend to, tend to see that. But I, I, I think his passing 
is just so unique given where his position and how you know let's be how he looks. He just he doesn't pass the look test when you're looking for you know unique and high level NBA players. So I think all those things in unison create a really interesting prospect and a guy that's really fun to watch and impossible not to like as a person. Well, I, that I was describing. It's interesting the the water polo thing. I was describing Nikola Jokic to 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 a couple of my family members, and I said, a picture the court as a, as a pool and watch him go from the top and try to lob it to someone. I said, it's exactly like something would do, someone would do in water polo. <laughs> and, and they go, wow, that's, that's really interesting. And I said, yeah. And I said, I don't, I don't know his history. I don't know if he ever played it. But I, I think that bringing that kind of skill set to a, an NBA that is all about space is invaluable is specific, specifically when you have a center who is able to do it, which is I think which is one of the most unique things I've ever seen. And and maybe maybe I'm ascribing too much to him, but it seems like this is this is intrinsically unique now what he is able to do. I mean, he was bringing the ball up the court against Utah several times by himself. They were giving the ball to Nikola Jokic, which you never see with a center. No, the the water polo thing is funny. Uh Zach Lowe and called me I said, I don't we do a lot of research, man. I don't know if you ever played water polo. You know, <laughs> I know he's, I know used to race horses. You know, I can tell you about Sambor. I can tell you about Nemanja, about Sohenya, about everything. I don't – if he casually played water polo, it was never competitive. <laughs> it was uh, – no, like, he's a really fun story. Um, yeah. You know, it's – I think fun's probably the best way to describe his yeah. play, too. He's Personality, too. He's a super nice guy. He's he doesn't have any bad days. doesn't have one ounce of ego. He's an impossible guy not to like. Teammates love him. Coaches love him. Um, he loves Denver. And there's an all, sh- an all shucks quality to him that's hard to replicate. And then he goes out there and, and puts up these gaudy stat lines. That it, you rarely see all those things in, 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 together. So it's, it's been fun to watch. He's very casual. Uh, he's the, it, it, and, and that's not in a bad way. But his personality is like You know, he doesn't take himself too nonchalant. seriously. Yeah, his, yeah. And that's a testament to his parents and his brothers. He does not... Equate basketball productivity to to ego. You know? yeah. hey, he, in his mind, I'm paid to hear, help the team win and paid to produce. And if I do great, I don't. Why am I getting lauded for doing what what I'm brought here to do? So it's it's very fun to watch. And again, his uh, I've, I've known uh, Strahan the longest. Uh, getting to know Nemanja last couple of years. Um, those guys are fantastic guys. They're you know they're my friends. Um, yeah. Just just don't play three on three with Strahan. <laughs> or, or just don't play anything don't physical with Strahan. You don't. You will be to no, tennis. Anything, just We're, anything physical with him is it's a challenge. I started kind of looking into the stands after DeAndre Jordan had punched him, and I was like, "Are his brothers going to come out here and confront DeAndre yeah. Jordan?" <laughs> they they <laughs> are serious. They they're serious about their brother, and that's that's it's great. Though. It's, it's great. It's, yeah, it's really neat to see because it's so pure, and they joke and they laugh, and they don't. And they don't. They still treat Nicole like a little brother. You know, sometimes in the NBA, you see the, the talent or the player is so coddled, and every, they're always right. And it's 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 really neat to see. But <laughs> those guys are fantastic. But again, if you see Stranja Jokic in the street, go the other way. <laughs> you <laughs> do would... not want that problem. <laughs> I ju- I pulled up uh, maybe last year. I saw him, so I pretended to hit the car. <sighs> beep beep beep, screaming. Trying to jump out in two seconds was like, I was like just a joke. It's Tim. <laughs> <laughs> please, no. yeah, please. I, I want to live. <laughs> Has there ever been a scenario? What what makes Nicola nervous or get uptight? Like he matchups against guys like even last year when he went against Tim Duncan, it didn't seem like it phased him one bit. No, I think look, he's the guy's is he's just a mellow guy that yeah. again he's in his mind and I, and I love it. He's paid a lot of money to play basketball. And there's an expectation of productivity, and if productivity and wins, if we don't win, he's never happy. It doesn't matter what his uh, stat line says. And he produces, and that's what I'm supposed to do. I'm, I'm a, my job is to produce in the basketball court. So I don't think there's any sense of all. Um, and, again, for the 20th time, the, the, the family, it's so strong, and they're just really good people. Um, and they're really funny. You know, they don't take themselves too seriously. Um, that means Strahanya was a good player. Nemanja was a Division One player, um, very good Division Two player. Um, so I, I think he's seen various levels of it, and he comes from one of the proudest schools, of, of, of basketball schools in the world. The Serbian basketball school is fantastic, and he, he's the the latest guy to come out of there and come with that kind of personality and quiet ego that I'm not scared of these guys. You know, I'm supposed to produce, and I will produce. 
was the fact that his brothers had experience out here in the in the states did that actually help him coming over and translating because you know a lot, a lot like even even uh, the Nurkic's first year he looked like he was a little out of culture you know and it seemed like uh, Nikola yeah he probably struggled with it a little but it was wasn't as dramatic as it was sure, yeah. uh, Nemanja obviously going to college here helped uh, Nikola has um, a fantastic girlfriend who was in the states so he was not unfamiliar with the states Playing the Hoop Summit was great. Yeah, um, he he had a familiarity with what to expect, and that certainly helps. And he had a built-in um, support system with Nemanja Stranja here so much. Uh, his parents have visited, um, so all those things have helped him make the transition. Uh, helped his transition become a bit easier and a bit more seamless. Yeah. I thought you know the other Joel Embiid probably going to win Rookie of the Year had a, a phenomenal story for Philadelphia after being out with the injury. Uh, a guy that I had looked at is, is Jamal Murray. You know, if he was able to play, I know that Embiid's on minute restriction, but if, if, if Murray was able, you know, there's guys ahead of him that obviously are there for a reason. I thought he could be rookie of the year if he had the time. What, what have you seen out of him this year, and, and kind of what, what has his personality been like from when you guys drafted him to, to where he is now? Great kid, very serious, um, workaholic. Uh, another uh, guy who's very fortunate to have a great family. His father, Roger's here with him. His mom's great. He's got a very funny little brother. Um, obsessed with being special. You know, I think he has his goals for his internal goals are so high um, that he it really fuels his work ethic. And at times he gets he gets so upset and so down. I said Jamal, you're 19 years old. This is a really difficult league. It's not yeah. easy. But I think that speaks to where he's going to go. Um, um, unbelievably mentally strong. Um, uh, you know, 19 going on 30. This is this is actually a funny story. I gave him a ride home uh, after a game, and I got him a notebook. Or something. He said, hey, this is a, you know, I don't know if you take notes, but it helps me sometimes to jot down various ideas. And it might be not after a game, say, this guy took away my left hand, or, geez, when in the post, I, I got to stay down. I, keep, I kept dumb fouling. And he, he pulled out of his bag. I have two notebooks, one for life, and I got one for basketball. So, <laughs> so I, you know, I was nice. 39. I felt like I was about uh, – well, I'm 40 now. But at the time I was 39, I felt like I was about 12 years old talking to the, you know, college professor. Um, very, very mature kid. Good sense of humor. I think he's really enjoyed the locker room. Yeah. Um, Mo's done a great job of keeping the locker room light, positive. And then the veterans are, are all really fun guys who, who kind of – Bust chops when necessary, but also are very supportive and very positive. I, I think he's going to be a, a heck of a player. We got really, really fortunate that he was there for us at seven. Well, that uh, that uh, get that move he had against Utah with the the I keep hearing Marv Albert saying, "Oh, what a move by Jordan!" <laughs> yeah. And it was just it was just like, ah, yeah, that's what I'm seeing. That's what I saw when I I saw him at the beginning of the year. And it's hard for a rookie because you have the ups and downs, and it's hard not to to get down. Specifically, when you're not getting a lot of time and you want to get out there and constantly prove that you are number seven. Yeah, I think pro- prove is a great word. He has a huge chip on his shoulder. I yeah. think when you see Jamal really rolling, he'll talk trash. He 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 likes the competitive nature of the NBA. He likes to be gone at. Um, the other night, uh, they posted George Hill a couple times, and yeah. he went to our coach like, "No, I'm, I got him. Don't I don't don't send a double. Leave me on him. I have him." Um, he he's a fiery kid for yeah. being so nice and mild-mannered off the court. Um, he, he told me he could have dunked that. I, I'm not buying it. <laughs> uh, he might have, though, because we had a – you know, he's like, I could have dunked it. I watched it a couple times since then. You know, he might have gotten there. He He's a very good athlete, I think. Yeah. One of the unfair criticisms of him coming out was his lack of athleticism. Yeah, uh, really. He's a no you know, momentum athlete. When he gets going, he can really get up. And he's big hands, big feet. Got long strong, arms. Yeah, strong arms, strong body. Yeah. Um, so I think that was a little overstated the the lack of athleticism, um, and I also I think you know he's active. Um, he wants to defend. He wants to get into guys. He'll rebound. He'll get deflections. He'll he'll pressure guys. So I, I think his overall approach is just great. He's he's a competitor and he's he's mean on the court, which is fantastic. You could even see him in that Utah game on the multiple posts by Hill. I mean, he figured out. Eventually, he figured a couple things out and got him a couple times. So he said like, to us, well, he got you a couple times. He said, no, Tim, but the second time he hooked me, I said, you're right. And he did hook you. <laughs> he hooked, yeah. yeah, but the veteran's going to do that. <laughs> yeah. No, he's, he's, uh, he's, he's a kid that's picked up the NBA quickly, um, uh, lives in the gym. I think our coaches do a great job uh, challenging him to constantly improve his skill set. Um, you know, he's becoming more a student of the game and 
I'd be shocked if he's not going to be a, a hell of an NBA player. Well, he's got that. Uh, I mean, this is just my own personal projection or looking at him. He he looks like he has a leader type personality. Like, uh, get behind me and I'll I'll take over and and, and we will go. We will win this game because of me. You know. Yeah. No, he he wants he, he wants the big shots. He's not doesn't shy away from from high level competition. Um, and and all, all our young guys. I think our rookie class has been Wancho, Malik, and Jamal have been fantastic. Fantastic, fantastic workers and sponges of our older guys, and uh, I think it bodes well for all three. Has Wancho and uh, Malik enjoyed their time going to the D League and get, actually getting some minutes and getting to play a little bit? Yeah, those guys love to play so much. Uh, hey, Wancho, how was Sioux Falls? It was great, man. Uh, you don't hear that that often about Sioux Falls in December. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, yeah, those guys love to play basketball, so it doesn't matter whether it's in Sioux Falls or whether it's in Miami. The ability to compete and be able to play. Is something that they really value. Um, and like, Wancho coming from Europe, those guys oftentimes are a bit more appreciative of, of any competition. You know, you're not always playing the best gyms. The travel is not no. first class. Um, so so it's, it was a good experience for those guys. Um, I'm sure they'll see some more time there when the schedule permits. And, and the more they play, the better. We've had the, the the fans have had the debate of you know should they make the playoffs as an eight seed or maybe they climb to seven or whatnot, you know, or should they get another lottery pick? What does it do for this team to make the playoffs? What does that mean for a young team? Yeah, it's a question I've been asked a lot recently. I think our goal is to win and improve, and I don't think those two are exclusive. Um, you know, if we get better, you know, I'll steal most getting better each day. That's a goal, and it sounds cheesy and and, it, and it's cliche, but certainly that's that's a goal. And if you get better each day, you're going to win your fair amount of games. And it's just look, if you told us where. Where our record be right now, I would not say we're in the playoffs. You know, as the season started, I said we're probably three f- games out. A little disappointing. We, we, you know, we got a second half of the season to um, to improve. But the reality is, right now we're in the playoffs. So it, the goal is to continue to improve and win games. And I think those two things should go hand in hand. Um, our goal is not to be the AC by any stretch. Um, but we're also in, a, I think, a situation where, you know, people talking about not making the playoffs. Oftentimes, with the expectation of getting a top five, six, seven pick, yeah. um, I don't think there's any likely scenario, given uh, what we do, that we end up with one of those picks unless the lottery ball goes our way. Um, look, the guy that's playing out of his mind right now is 21 years old. So he's if if you go the other way and just have young players, um, what are we as a team? I'm not sure. I, I'd like to think that we'd still be competitive. I'd like to think that we'd still win our fair share of games. So I, I don't think it's an either-or. Um, it's certainly not make or break if we don't make the playoffs. Um, if we're achieving the improvement goal that we've all kind of focused on all season long. But I, I do think winning games is invaluable, and I think it it gives the guys the the feeling of, of what it's like to play meaningful basketball. Um, but the more times, more experiences these guys are allowed this season where a game matters um, – I think it helps. So where, where we end up at the end of the year, I'm not sure. Should I, I'd love to be in the playoffs. I think we're all nationally competitive. I think whatever experience you have in the playoffs is worth its weight in gold. It's, it's, you know, those, whether it's four games or whether it's you know, several series, every experience for a young team such as our, ourselves is invaluable. And I also think, like, and as a fan, it's fun. It's, you know, yeah. As a fan, you want to see games won. You don't want to hear uh, about – five-year plans and next this year and <laughs> yeah. next uh, I'm sorry next year and years beyond that um we have to keep a firm eye on that from a front office perspective but I love it I love I think it's great that I'm watching other West Conference teams right now like, god they pulled out a tough win like last night I think it's great and I'm upset about that so I think it's good for our players to be upset about that um so but I, I don't think it's it's zero sum I don't think one's a failure or it's one or the other I think we can achieve both and continue to have a fun season and Hopefully, re-engage the fan base a bit more. Well, yeah, people people get I think over overly enamored with with the concept of lottery picks as they will help you. When in reality, especially when the Nuggets position right now, due to this year, you know, it's probably better for you to make the playoffs in that scenario because you know it's like they they don't want you to be a late lottery. Late, yeah, I think a lottery. Know. I think lottery is the term. It's it's kind of the catchphrase. But where you if you want to be. You want to be a top five pick, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, this year it's a bit more top heavy. Yeah. So I think you can bump that number down a couple top seven, top eight even. But that's where you want to be. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's 
I don't think the the average fan like, yeah, don't make the playoffs to get that 12th pick. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, <laughs> I haven't heard many people rallying for that. <laughs> no, so I, I think that's the one part that's kind of, uh, not frustrating is the wrong word, but like you understand if we just miss it, there's not a huge separation between 15 and 12 or yeah. 15 and 11. Now, again, there, there's a strong run to be made if you, if you can get one of those top five picks, top six picks. Historically, that's where really you pick special, special players. Um, but I, I don't know um, if there's a huge separation. I'd, I'd much rather make the playoffs and pick 15 than not make the playoffs and pick 11. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just, I mean, it's specifically, I mean, I would always choose to make the playoffs because it's, I don't think it stunts growth no, to I make agree. the playoffs. It's, it's Jeff, it's because of 1994. <laughs> you love the playoffs. <laughs> that must be it. <laughs> I, 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 I got my eight over one, and now I just can't get out of my head. Kevin, Gar- Kevin Garnett was right. Anything can happen <laughs> once you get it. Anything is possible. Um, it, it, speaking of, you mentioned the Vets a little earlier. The Vets, how have they been with the younger players? I mean, you do have a lot of younger players this year. A lot. Of, I mean, all of, let's see, seven or eight under 23. So how has that been balancing that out with players like Wilson, Diallo, Jameer, um, and, and their kind of own desires to, to win? Well, those guys have been great. And, and again, I don't think it has to be either or. Um, no. We don't want to throw Wancho, Malik, Emmanuel, our five youngest guys out there, and just hey, vets, just enjoy the watch, watch them get their brains, brains beat in while yeah. uh, you waste some of your most you know, uh, best years in the league. So uh, they've been fantastic. Um, I, I think um, – a couple of them have really taken a liking to the young guys and, and get, get them in the gym all the time. They shoot together. They spend time on the road together. Um, and that's for all that we can do as a front office or coaching staff. When players start to kind of control the locker room and start to help with development on their own, it's, it's way more impactful than we can do. So they've been great. I think um, a, very, a lot of them excuse me, have had excellent years. I mean, I'm, it's so fun to watch D.A. get his knee right right now yeah. the way he's shooting the ball. Yeah. Um, I think uh, – Wilson's had a fantastic bounce back year. Yeah. Gallo's been on an absolute tear recently. So I think what they enjoy is certainly um, our young players are all work hard and are respectful and they listen. But um, it's also when you start to win games and these these veteran players are still uh, focus focal points of our offense. Um, you know, there's no resentment there. Hey, I'm still playing. We're still being productive. We're starting to win a lot more games recently. Yeah. We can control our own destiny moving forward. So I, I think take it kind of on a macro level, I, I would say all those guys have been great and they're enjoying the season. Very good. That's, that's all I have. That's all you got? That's, all. that's it? Yeah, well, Tim, we probably shouldn't waste all of your time. You might need to get on the phone and start making some, <laughs> making some, some calls, calls to <laughs> other GMs or something. He's looking at his phone right now. No, <laughs> no, just, I'm waiting for the uh, non-basketball portion of it. This is usually... Oh, yeah. Uh, not, what have you been... Have you, you've, uh, you're always busy. What have you been watching, though? Yeah, what do you do for entertainment nowadays with probably You've kids, got two right? kids. Yeah, you know, a lot it's... of Peppa Pig. <laughs> Peppa Pig. Yeah, Peppa Pig, the, um, a lot of uh, Sesame Street, which Sesame Street now has features... Like Pharrell was on Sesame Street the other day. Really? Yeah. Was he? Well, does he have his hat? Jeff loves his hat that he oh wears. Oh, my God. That's the worst thing <laughs> I've ever got. I mean, Ten gallon. Hey, Jeff, who's your hat. least favorite celebrity? Least favorite celebrity? Yeah. Oh, man. Well, before the... <laughs> I don't know if you can call him a... No, I can't say that. This, this will go political. Jeff will go no, political. Besides, besides, no political answers. <laughs> Yeah. Well, at least favorite celebrity. God, there's so many of them. I couldn't narrow it down. How about yours? You, you, you answer. A very me. political answer, though, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> My least favorite one might be Drake. I don't know. I don't like. I'm not a big Drake fan. Yeah. Drake. Although he does. I don't know. like Kanye. No Kanye. No. Mm. It's not good. But I, I don't listen to really listen to hip hop. So yeah. I. This is funny, actually. Uh, the, at our hotel in London, um, one night I was going to Josh's room. Um, I don't know, that kid like, was like a late night, early morning. Kentucky was playing. We're going to watch the Kentucky, I think, Arkansas game. I think. And there was security on his floor. And I had not seen security on his floor previously. So that's so wow, that's pretty impressive. And Josh is so low-key. He's like, yeah, I don't know, man. It's kind of weird. But he <laughs> said, well, I wasn't here all week. because I don't know. He just showed up today. And the next day, I, I read in the paper, a Russian oligarch had his granddaughter's birthday party at the hotel in oh. London. <laughs> and Mariah Carey and Elton John performed. Oh really? So I'm, <laughs> I think all right. So we laughed. They think security was for there for Sir Elton or Mariah. <laughs> oh. Yeah. You're gonna have somebody at your fortieth birthday party, right? Is it 
Is it Elton John and Mariah too? Yeah, we'll get both of them. You gonna get both of them? Yeah, it's it's um yes. I heard uh, Weird Al Yankovic. Weird Al, yes. <laughs> uh my, yeah, no, I I would I, I who would you have I mean uh, they say I turned forty and not this year but next year. So I turned forty uh, in November. Well well, happy birthday. Yeah. Um, was that a was that a traumatic birthday? Was there or was it just like not not like anything else? No, right? so, I'm, I like it. No, I mean it's what's the alternative? People say, "Oh, I hate my birthday." I said, "Jeez, what's, what's the alternative? Not having birthdays." <laughs> See, I'm I'm gonna make I'm, I'm gonna have like mine in Vegas. That's yeah. what, that was the plan yeah. because it's right during the middle of summer league. I did a night in Vegas for my fortieth. Yeah. Well, see, that's not that's 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 good. I mean, that's 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 pretty much. It's an hour and a half late. No, it was great. My 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 wife, she's the coolest. She did. Um, we had a really cool family birthday, and then yeah. my idiot friends all showed up, and they had. It was more like their birthday. Because <laughs> I, I was, you know, having two kids under two, I told these guys I went out there, and I was so. Um, and I, I'm pretty good at not getting tired. Generally, I was so life tired. Uh, yeah, by make it up three in the morning, I just Irish exited and said, I'm didn't tell these guys. And the next morning I woke up bright and early and, you know, texted who's up for breakfast. You know, <laughs> everyone's like, 10 oh. yeah, nothing till one thirty. <laughs> well, that's that's happened to me out there. I mean, I there was one trip that I took. I won't go into too much detail. No, let's, let's hear some details. <laughs> the one trip I took <laughs> where. We would go to bed at 6 a.m. and wake up at, like, 3. And it was I, – I had a lot of fun, but we were there for, like – we were there three days. And by the end of that trip, I'm like, I never want to go to Vegas again because this has sucked the life out of me, even though I had a lot of fun. And I think it was because I spent three days there. Yeah. I mean, you really have to maximize your time. Oh, and, a couple and, years and, ago um, – yeah. a couple years ago, between Summer League and USA Basketball, I was there for 12 nights and – <laughs> I, I love Vegas, and I'm, I like just the energy. I like the restaurants. Yeah. I get people watching. I'm not a big gambler by any stretch, um, but 12 days in, you really start to question <laughs> your own self-worth. You know, it's, yeah. it's Nate. Yeah. Nate stayed at Hooters. And, uh, I was only there for like five days, and I was losing my mind, so 12, <laughs> I can't imagine. One time, one day, I went to the under-19 World Championships in New Zealand. I left New Zealand. I'll screw, someone will screw up the time. Um, I'll screw up the time. Someone will correct me, I'm sure. I think it's a... I, I, the time difference was like nineteen hours, seventeen hours, eighteen hours. I left New Zealand at like five o'clock, and it was forty six degrees, and got to Vegas at like six o'clock. It was one hundred six degrees, and I, I remember it was I couldn't sleep at all. So I just roam. I could sleep really awkward times. I'd roam the casino floor at night, and there was a a lottery pick that year. He was out every single night, like hard, hard. <laughs> and I would now some. I literally sit in the coffee shop and you know, mess around the computer, and I told myself, "There's no chance that guy makes it." and he did not make it. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, he's still in the league, but relative to his skill set and what he could have done, it was like this. I said, this, this is amazing. This is like the sixth night. This guy's at the crap table, <laughs> drunk. Going, I mean, it's three in the morning. Going hard. 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 <laughs> well, see, I can do that. I can, I can but I've I reached the age, and I'm sure you have too, and, and I've talked to Dempsey about this, where – Going hard is like one night or now, and then sometimes I don't even make it through the night because it's it's just my my your body changes and you you can't you can't like do what you used to do because I I, the, I I'm thinking about the prospect of doing like three straight days of just going hard in Vegas. I, it just actually makes me shiver now. I love the concept. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> like prior to two great additions in my life, my son and daughter, yeah. I could do that and. Sit on the sofa and watch Fletch till you know noon. Fletch. Yeah. Um, not not really possible anymore. I mean, my son's up at five forty-five, no matter what Daddy did the night before. So I'm, <laughs> I I went out to Denver, had some buddies in town last week, and they're around like eleven o'clock. Said I don't, I know what's coming in six and a half hours. So fellas, I got about another hour. <laughs> and whatever you want to do after that, knock yourself out. Just... Here's the key, but Devin's up at five thirty. No matter what, he's up at five thirty. Yeah. He doesn't want to hear Daddy saying, "Oh, come on, Dev, I had a long night." <laughs> I actually, I'm to the point now where I like restaurants, and that that has become a, that changed. A <laughs> I, mean, well, I mean, that's my favorite. A good meal is I, the best. I mean, I mean, I've since, always like to get restaurants. I, I appreciate. I, I should say, I appreciate restaurants more. Yeah. Like going over going out with to some a friends. club. You're saying over go, yeah, over yeah. like saying like let's get a bottle of scotch and like yeah. make make sure we erase part of our memory. <laughs> <laughs> no, a, a nice di- a nice dinner with conversation. Couple drinks, that's great. That's Can't fantastic. Beat that. yeah. You doing any TV, movies, books? 
Um, just finished Narcos. Oh, uh, that's yeah. kind of older. Um, that was that. There, was there a second season of Narcos? I don't know. It's about El Chapo. <laughs> El Chapo. <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, just read a book uh, about money laundering. It's pretty interesting. Oh, really? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I started watching uh, Power. I've gotten through three seasons of Power. Power is about the New York City club owner. Yes, I, w- I watched the first season. And there's yeah. some little money laundering, money laundering going on in there. Yeah, yeah. really. I got to check that out. I, I I watched Travelers. Did you guys see was that? Was that good? Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. I mean, it was a great first four episodes, and then it just went dramatically downhill. Is it British? No. Oh, really? It is not. Yeah. Interesting. Jeff only watches British. The Agatha Christie and Travelers. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I just watched Hercule Poirot. <laughs> Great movie the other day. Um, uh, Hell or High Water. Fantastic. Who's in that? Uh, Jeff Bridges is a, a retiring Texas Ranger, and these two brothers are kind of down to luck. Oh. They go into crime spree. It was very well written. Highly recommended. Is that on Netflix? Yes. I think I, think I just saw that on, on the recently added thing. Yeah. yeah. Went oh. to Saturday Night Live a couple months ago. Really? Yeah. Who was hosting? Kristen Wiig. Oh, very nice. Yeah. Oh, Steve yeah. Martin showed up. Um... Who else? Uh, Paul Rudd. Oh, wow. He showed up. Uh, it was really... Wow. Uh, Baldwin did Trump. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh. yeah. How does that work there when you're in the audience? Is it a rotating stage? It was amazing, honestly. I, I went with my dad. Had no, didn't know what to expect. Um, uh, get there at 1030. No tickets, no anything. They just say, hey, I'm here for starting live. Um, <laughs> and then at 11, they bring you to the studio. Very small studio. Um very small, maybe four or five rows of mezzanine seating, 20 chairs on the, on the floor. Um, and then 11, around 11, 10, some of the um, performers, you stand up. Um, uh, Keenan, what's Keenan's name? Um, the guy's been there forever. Oh, Keenan. Uh, Funny guy. Uh, uh, from Keenan and Kel. No. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They won the longest yeah. running uh, members oh, of SNL. Man. He did a Motown song, which is <laughs> great. And then. It's crazy. Eleven twenty-nine. They thirty seconds, twenty seconds, and they're live. <laughs> that's I awesome. Keep, keep, when he said Keenan, I thought Keenan Ivory Wayans, no, awesome. and that is not that's a, a living color. That's <laughs> a living color. That is not the same thing. I'm gonna get you, sucker! Right? I'm gonna, I'm gonna get you, yeah. sucker! Yeah. Keenan does that uh, that great game show one where they exactly singing the name over and yes, over. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was really neat. Really neat experience. You, you just broke out an "I'm gonna get you, sucker" reference. That's, that's like one of my favorite movies. Yeah, that was a funny movie. He did that. He, he financed his whole movie with his credit card. I think he did. Yeah, Jeez. you have not seen "I'm gonna get you, sucker." My credit card balance is probably not that big. No, they don't give me. But that yeah, you, this but this budget was not big on this movie, so you'd be surprised. <laughs> it was a, if you've seen black exploitation movies from the '70s. It's it's a parody of those. But it's, yeah, it's, I've seen clips of it. I haven't watched. Oh, it. Very it's very very funny. Very funny. very funny. One of my favorite movies of all time. Yeah, I think the next Stiff's Night Out we're gonna do. You have to watch it. I'm going to get you second. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. A lot of people should show up for that. I know uh, if we if we do get a correction on the New Zealand time, it'll be from our friend Adrian Ganella, who's actually yeah, in he Australia, doing? but he's doing well, yeah. I think. I, yeah, he's fine. He's, uh, I, we'll have to tell him we, we name-checked him on this podcast. Yeah. So we... There was a guy the other day that came really neat, all the way from Japan, a huge Nuggets fan. Really? Yeah, and then just showed up, had a Will Barton jersey, one of our marketing guys, like, hey, and he's like, I just came here to see the Nuggets. By himself. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, we uh, we got a lot of fans in uh, New, New Zealand and uh, Australia. Oh, a lot of Nuggets fans. And we're, apparently we're starting to get a lot in England now. There was a, a lot whole... of fans in London. I think there's oh. a lot of people that just traveled there, too. I know that uh, Dennis Kohler traveled from Germany to the game. You know, he went from oh, Germany yeah, to England. Dennis Kohler, yeah. There's been a lot of people that went. But, yeah, did you yeah. guys – did you meet a lot of Nuggets fans? Yeah, you know, I met um, – a couple of really cool. I got a, the one guy was great, a British guy. I met a lot of really cool fans at the game. They were awesome, and you know, the one I was walking. Out, hey, Tim Connolly, like, no, who is he? You know, that was right out of a mob movie. I thought someone's gonna off me. Like, I, I, he's like, no, I'm a, I'm a fan of Nuggets. I came here from. Uh, God, where did he come? He was great. Uh, it was really, really neat. Um, and I thought the energy in the building was fantastic. And overall, I know players I referenced it. Uh, Mo's referenced it. It, it was. Um, it was great for bonding. It was great for team interaction. It was, it was a fantastic event. Um, having Arsenal's involvement was great, um, and obviously the win certainly helped. But it was one of the one of the more enjoyable events I've been involved in the NBA in a long time. Love that. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah uh, it was cool. To, it was it was just cool to see Denver involved in in that kind of thing. Yeah, it was. Know? It was. I, I I liked it. And there was like several writers. Like there was a guy from Nuglove who writes, and he he covered all the practices you guys yeah. had out there and the game. It was and, amazing when our first practice when they let it was media availability. Um, you know, it, it wasn't this level, but it reminded me of when I was in D.C. with Jordan. I mean, there was 
I don't 120 people came in. Or, wow. You know, it was from all over Europe. And it was it's a really neat event for NBA Europe. It's kind of their, their uh, showcase event. And in London's such an international city. And I think we um, I think we did create some new fans with not just the, the fact that we won, but how we won and the style of play. Wow, Final I, score is like 200 to 70. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jeff took the under. I took the under. <laughs> Brett Musburger and you. Lost my shirt on that one. Yeah. <laughs> That's why you got We're looking live, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank God there's no camera here. <laughs> awesome. All right, Tim, well, we appreciate your time. Thanks for sitting down with us, and best of luck to you and the Nuggets the rest of the way. Thanks as always, guys. I appreciate you having me. Thanks.